Well, welcome to Current. My name is David. Uh, 2020 has been a really hard year. That's why we're in this series, uh, uh, Hope in 2020, because we could all use hope right now. In this series, we're trying to do an, an upward, inward series. Next year, you know, basically focusing on, on God and his promises to us to just kind of you know, get strength and, and get grounded. Our next series, we're going to start thinking outward uh, in terms of what God, call, God calls us to as the church. I'm excited about that. But today, as we're wrestling with really hard things, where's the hope? This has been a really hard year. It seemed like these last few weeks, uh, th- this last week only served to punctuate that fact that it's just been a hard, hard year. I mean, by way of anecdote, this past Tuesday, we were going to finally get together as a church staff and do an in-person meeting. We were going to socially distance and, and be safe, well, you know, meet up in a park, bring foldable chairs and order food and do all that. We we're going to meet in person because we've been meeting over Zoom for months. It's like, oh, we're going to see each other. And then Tuesday rolled around and we were unable to meet. Why? Because there was air pollution from the wildfires. Which, you know, boo-hoo, we didn't get to meet in person as a, as a staff, fine, okay. But if we were just all dumbfounded of like, oh my God, like, like, as if the world couldn't get any crazier. And it's not like these wildfires are happening way over there. They're happening in our, in our backyard. By the way, thank you so much, church family, for giving so generously that we can, in these times, respond really quickly, giving direct gifts to families who who have been displaced in the Santa Cruz area. Thank you for that. Wildfires, pandemic, and then last Sunday, Jacob Blake, an African-American man, was shot by police multiple times in the back in front of children. Unacceptable. And it just feels like a constant refrain, not only of this year, but of these times. And then that's, that's to say nothing about, you know, you know, the mental illnesses that are up right now, the addictions that are up. Um, we're thinking of you medical care professionals who are risking your lives, your family's lives to care for us in our, in our community. We're thinking of you teachers, and for that matter, parents, as you're trying to figure out school over Zoom and all the challenges of that, thinking about the kids' development in these times. We're thinking about those of you who've lost your jobs and on and on and on. We could all use some hope right now. What's a wonderful thing about God and His Word is no matter what comes at us, no matter what life can throw at you, He gives you an unshakable, unmovable hope in Him. And so in this brief series. We're looking at that. And today we're going to turn to one of the most comforting texts in the entire Bible. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Psalm chapter 46. If you don't have a Bible, that's fine. You can follow along on the screen. But we're going to be looking at uh, hope in Psalm 46. And we're going to find, I believe, that hope comes to us in a bit of an unexpected way. Because the the promise is not that God will deliver you out of struggle and hardship, but that he will deliver you through it. So let's read from Psalm 46. It says, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth give way and the mountain fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging, There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. 
God will help her at, at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done. The desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. This text, I believe, speaks at least to two things. It speaks to our reality and it speaks to our response. So first, let's consider our reality. And our reality is that there's a war raging. There's a war raging around us. Did you notice the war language here in this text? It says in verse 1 that God is our refuge. Verses 7 and 11, the Lord Almighty is with us, the God of Jacob, our fortress. That word refuge means, means uh, inaccessible height. Other translations say a really high stronghold. Uh, the idea behind the title of the Lord Almighty is saying that he is the God of many armies. So what are we up against? Well, look at verse, verses 2 and 3. It says, Though the earth give way, and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters foam, uh, roar and foam, and the mountains quake with their surging. This is pretty incredible. This is written about a thousand years before Christ. It hasn't been until very recently in human history that we could even imagine the world destroying itself in ways like these. And yet now it fills all of our movies. And, and all we have to do is just look out the window to see these things, let alone turn on the news. I almost feel like if the Bible were written today, it could say something like, though pandemics wreak havoc and wildfires scorch the land. Verse 6 goes on to say, nations are in uproar. Our reality is there is a war raging. We're facing no small things. So how are we to process it all? It seems to me that it starts with us not being surprised. To, to not be taken aback by all the things that are happening. I'm often asked when natural disasters hit or, or things like it, as a pastor, what do you make of these events? Do you think it shows that, that God's not around, that it's evidence that he's not working? And at, at those times, I'm, I'm, I'm often thinking of Jesus' words when he essentially said, you know what, as time presses on, these things are going to happen more and more. In Matthew 24, he said this, You will hear of wars and rumor of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places, and all these are the beginning of birth pains. Notice that it says, See to it that you are not alarmed. Followers of, of God are to, if anything, expect such things. I mean, we're to mourn them, we're to do our best to try to make things better, but Jesus says as time goes on, these will happen in, incre in increasing measure. Don't, don't be surprised by them. Now, as a real quick sidebar, why do these things happen? Well, the Bible's pretty clear on that. It says these things happen because of the sin of humankind. God created us to be in perfect relationship with him and with creation, to be in perfect harmony with him and, and all things around us. 
But because of our sin, because of our rebellion, because of our saying, you know what, God, we, we don't want to follow you and in, in your ways, all these things entered into the world. Death, disease, decay, destruction, and the rest of it. And you know, we know this to be true, that our sin causes these things, whether directly or indirectly, not just at the abstract level, but even at the personal level. For instance, when we, you know, lie or, or cheat somebody, especially someone we're, we're close to, what does it do but, but cause harm or pain or create a, a, a breaking of the relationship? That's, that's kind of the, the micro level. We could think of more examples, but think, of, think about it at the macro level. We, we know and we see that when, when injustices are happening at the national or societal level, the pain and destruction that, that it occurs for people. We see it in the, the lack of, of good care for the environment and all that, that, that takes place because of that and so on and, and so forth. In Romans 8, it talks about how the world is groaning. The world is groaning because it's not how it was originally meant to be. It's longing to be brought back to the way that God originally intended in, in perfect harmony. And this side of heaven, this side of the next life, there's going to be pain and destruction, death and disease. And while we're called to do our part, to, to care for people and fight it as best we can, Jesus says, don't be surprised by it. Do not be alarmed by it. That's one way we are to uh, um, process such things. But I think the, the other thing we see here actually directly in our text, verse 2, is to not have fear. It says, therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way. Uh, that's saying we are free not to fear. Uh, notice it doesn't say here that God will help you provided you get yourself into a stronghold. <laughs> I love this. It's not saying you have to get yourself into a stronghold and then his strength will be available to you. No, it's saying if you are followers, he is your stronghold. You just have to recognize that reality. He is your city. He's a city that can't be burned down. A city that can't be uh, destroyed by disease or pandemic. Though earthquakes and, and hurricanes erode the solid world and civilization, God's rule is unshakable. If God is with you, even the worst thing that comes at you in life, death itself, only in the end serves to make you infinitely happier and greater. Why? Because the gospel is God did not leave us in our sin and all the results of that, but he sent his son into this world to live the life that we do not live and ultimately die the death that we deserve as a sacrifice on the cross for the forgiveness of sins, to bring us back into relationship that if we put our faith in him and receive what he has done for us, we would have a forever relationship with him that can never be taken from us. Nothing in this life, earthquake, famine, disease, can take it away from us because of what he's done for us. And you can receive that today, friends. If this is you and you've never received what Jesus has done for you, you can put your faith in, today, in him today. The Bible says for all those who believe in him, who receive him, he gives the right to become children of God. We'd love to come alongside you. If that's you, let us know. We'd love to be a support to you. But the promise we see here is not that God will necessarily deliver you out of struggle or hardship, but that God will deliver you through it. 
it says that God is our ever-present help in trouble. Trouble will come. So let's not be surprised and let's not give in to fear. We are free not to fear. Many are feeling very vulnerable right now to disease, to injury, to professional failure, to financial loss, to delayed or uncertain futures, and on and on. But this psalm tells us that earthquake, earthquakes or mountains giving way cannot take you, cannot take away who God is for you and what he has accomplished for you in Jesus Christ. Not a pandemic or wildfire can steal uh, what he has done for you in life forever in him. But that's our reality, that there's a war raging around us. So what's our response? Well, our response here is to be still. I love this, especially given the context here. But, but our response is to be still. Look at verse 11. It says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Though there's a war raging around you, be still, God says, and know that I am God. Have you ever watched one of those war movies where there's just a battle raging and everybody's out there with, with swords clashing and, and there's just death and destruction everywhere, but the, the camera will just kind of zoom in and focus on, on, say, the main character at some point, and then there's just a moment where that character sees, say, you know, a beautiful butterfly that just happens to be flying through all the craziness and chaos, and then, and then time stills. It goes to slow motion. Or maybe the main character sees, you know, a uh, beautiful uh, flower that's, you know, growing even amidst all the debris and destruction. And there's a ray of sun that just shines on it. And there's this moment where the character just, ha- just sees, like, oh my goodness, there's, there's hope. There's power. And then everything speeds back up and, and they're fighting again. Friends, that's what I think this text is saying to us. Though, though there is a war raging around us, we have the ability to stop calm ourselves, be still, and know that he is God. To take a big, soul-filled breath, knowing who he is and what he's done for us and the promises that we have him as our refuge and as our strength. Allow me to use one more illustration. This is from Lord of the Rings, which I know I talk about Lord of the Rings, especially more recently, uh, lately. Uh, That's because I'm Continuing to read through it with my son, so sorry, not sorry. But this text actually made me think of Rivendell. If you've read the book or you've seen the movie, do you remember Rivendell, the place of Rivendell? It's, it's one of the lands of the elves uh, ruled by Lord Elrond, and it's, it's essentially a sanctuary uh, in the midst of just crazy wars happening all around. And for both uh, Bilbo in the, in the book Hobbit and, and Frodo in, in The Lord of the Rings, it serves as a place that as they're entering into it, and then after they leave, they're just being attacked, just like on all sides. Like they're just fleeing for their lives as they get there and just you're back in the thick of it once they leave. But while they're in the midst of it, it's peace, calm, serenity, merrymaking, songs, laughter, feast, joy. And it's such such a powerful time for those guys, not, not only in terms of just kind of gearing themselves up for the rest of the journey, but even later on in their journey, their adventure, they would look back and just just the memory of it would remind them of wonderful things and give them strength for what was ahead of them. I think, 
I think that's what in part this text is saying for us, that that's what we have. That kind of power is what we as followers of God have available to us at all times. When we stop, though the war is raging around us, we calm our souls and we take a big soul-filled breath of God and his promises. And we just pause and know that he is God, that he's in control. To think about the things that are happening around us and just to release them as best we can to him. To be still and know that he is God. An author wrote, Nothing is truly solid or trustworthy or lasting but God. Nor can anything thwart him. Even the hard things in life will ultimately be used by him for redemptive purposes. And so no matter how bleak the prospects seem or overwhelming the opposition, the city of God, that is the heavenly community in reality, cannot be harmed but can only triumph. Why? Because that reality and community are in God himself. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Therefore, there is no more proper response than just to stop and consider God in his transcendence beyond all imagination, to be still and to adore him. It's taking a deep, soul-filled inhale of air into our lungs and releasing all anxiety, fear to Him as best we can, allowing it to melt away. To be still and know that He is God. Uh, Let me ask you, though, how are you at being still? Uh, How are you being still? I imagine if you're like many here in the Silicon Valley, being still is, is quite challenging for you because we're just such busy people, right? We're just constantly in motion. And we've talked about this before, and we all know this. Shelter in place has not done anything to kind of ease that. If anything, we're, we're more in motion, we're more busy, we're most, more stressed than ever before. And so, therefore, how much more important is it that we stop and be still and know that He is God and find ways to build that into our life rhythms? It is so important when war is raging around us. It's especially important for us to stop, be still, and know that he's got to take a big, soul-filled inhale of breath and consider him and his promises for us so that we don't give in to fear. How might you do that? What might that look like for you? You know, I realize it doesn't say here in the text, this, it therefore means you must do this, this, and this. But there are some different ways that you can make this work for you. Of course, the classic ways uh, are to read God's word because we get to be still and know who he is, read his promises, and, and pray. That is, commune with him, talk things over with him. I would just say, whatever your means, uh, try to leave that little uh, phone aside or at least put it on Do Not Disturb while you do it. The only reason I say that is because that little device has a real way of distracting our, and, and preventing us from truly being still from calming our spirits and our souls and just focusing on him, just taking a deep breath of him into our lungs. We need God as our refuge and strength right now, perhaps more than ever before. Uh, One last thought. 
Uh, my son, uh, Caleb, uh, who's now eight years old, recently asked if we could start reading the big Bible. I love that. I mean, because for the last few years, Cindy and I, we've been reading uh, to him, you know, Bible stories, but but kid version stories and, and, and the like. He's like, can we read the big Bible? I'm like, of course, yeah. Especially that he's eight. It seems to make more more sense right now. And he, he I, we were trying to figure out where to start. And he said, how about we start by reading the story of Jacob? The story of Jacob, which the reason he, by the way, wanted to read about Jacob is because he had been learning about Jacob in current kids. So all you teachers, thank you so much for the way, for your ministry there. You know, it's such a gift to our kids as you're engaging them with, with different stories and helping them learn more about God through, through his word. But we've been reading about Jacob. And, that, and I, the reason why I say all this is look again at this refrain here in verse 7 and verse 11. It says, the Lord Almighty is with us, the God of Jacob is our fortress. If you've ever read the story of Jacob, you know that Jacob was a bit of a crook. He deceived his oldest brother out of his birthright. He was just deceptive in a a number of, of different ways. He was a bit of a crook, which is pretty interesting considering he is one of the patriarchs up there with Abraham, Isaac, and then Jacob. In fact, Jacob's name was changed by God to Israel. So when we think of Israel, it's thinking of Jacob, this crook of a guy. And so what does it mean for us when it says here, the God of Jacob is our fortress? Well, a few things, and they're wonderful. One, it's saying he's a personal God. He's not just some abstract God. He's a God of of, of Jacob. He's a God of, uh, of, put your name in there if you would receive him. But it's also saying that God is a God of loving even the unlovable. That if you would turn yourself, turn back towards him in his ways, if you've gone on off in a different direction, he would more than quickly receive you back into his loving arms. He is gracious and he just wants to take you into his arms and love you, which I think is helpful, hopefully, for some of you today to consider. Because if you're here and you're hearing these promises, you're thinking, oh, it's, it's wonderful to hear that God is our refuge, that he's our strength and ever-present help in trouble. But man, I've just done some things that I don't, I don't know if he, if, he could, if he would be there for me. I mean, there's just some things here that I'm just wrestling with or struggled with, or I, I just don't know if these promises apply to me. Well, friend, if that is you, he, he's the God of Jacob and is your fortress. He is gracious. He is loving. He knows you and all that you do, who you are. If you would turn to him and receive his love, he is more than willing to give it. And and all these promises are more than true for you as they are for me and all of us who call on his name. So if you're in the midst of hardship, if you're, if you're really facing some hard things, which is hard to imagine any of us not right now because 2020 is so hard, what are some ways that you can just, one, just recognize that the war is raging around you? You know, and just not be surprised by it. You know, to, to, to not give in to fear. And how can you, in your response, learn to be still and know that he has got to build that into your life rhythm? Again, in this series where it's upward, inward, we're thinking about, you know, how does God meet us where we are? Next series, we're going to be looking outward, what he calls us to in terms of action. But as we're thinking about the, the hardship and how it comes down upon us, how can you in these ways see God as your refuge, receive him as your strength and ever-present help in time of trouble? 
I want to conclude today's time in a little bit of a, a different way, giving our, ourselves a time for response. And, and the way I'd like to do this is just for a minute or so here, put up a few prompts on the screen to just reflect on each of us where we're at, to just be still and know that he is God. Now, I recognize for many of you that this might be a bit of a challenge to be still right now, to quiet things down because you're sitting in a, you know, a living room or in your bed or you know, at the dinner table and that's, that might not be the easiest thing to do. But to the extent you can, let's try to just to calm our spirits, just to, to, to be still and know that he is God and reflect on these two things based on our text. Number one, in what ways does it feel like there's a war raging around you? Just, just hold what, what is happening in you and around you that you're just feeling any weights there, maybe in the workplace, at home, what's happening in society or what, you know, as you think about your future or suffering that's happening from the fires or disease or time missed with friends, family, whatever it may be, just hold it to the extent you can, release it to him. And then in what ways does knowing God and his promise help calm your soul as you be still and know that he is God? How does that help calm your soul? Of course, there are many wonderful promises about God and who he is for us in the scripture text. But let's just consider some from our text today where it says, He is your refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. He is the Lord Almighty with you. The God of Jacob is your fortress. And then from our text last week in Isaiah, Do you not know, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Amen. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in all the earth. Well, let's continue to exalt him together through worship and song now.